Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Under God and together we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Hello, friends. I'm pro-life leader Frank Pavone, national director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America. It's great to have you with us, patriots and believers from across this land, gathered for a simple purpose. We love this country, we want to defend this country, and we want to encourage one another in doing so. We uh, look at the news in the light of the Word of God, and what I want to do with you tonight is uh, to show you how the Democrats, uh, once again, and this is just one sliver, a little example of a million that can be invoked, are guilty of the very things that uh, they are trying to uh, persecute and prosecute President Trump for, and all the rest of us besides. Uh, and uh, they really are the ones who have tried to block the proper functioning of government in our country. They're really the ones who uh, deserve the, uh, the name of insurrectionists. They're really the ones who are not interested in the peaceful functioning of this government. And it becomes, it, it's because of their, rea uh, their realization that they're out of touch with the mainstream America. They're out of touch with the moral values that most of us hold. They're out of touch with the direction that most Americans want this country to go. And so instead of being able to persuade Americans, they're the ones that resort to blocking those processes of self-governance that allow us to bring the country in the right direction. We're going to look at a couple of examples of that. And I want to start with a biblical example of how the conflict between good and evil and truth and falsehood, and, and so many of, of, of our fellow citizens are recognizing more than ever before that these political battles are really spiritual battles manifesting themselves as political battles, how that uh, dynamic shows itself in Scripture, particularly in the Acts of the Apostles, when a riot broke out in Ephesus. Uh, lengthy passage, but very instructive to the kind of things I want to talk about tonight. So let's turn to the Lord. Let's put ourselves in His presence. Let's ask Him to bless us with His Word and to bless America. Acts 19, starting with verse 23. About that time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from the business we have our wealth. And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is a danger, not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, 
she whom all Asia and the world worship. When they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! So the city was filled with the confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. And even some of the Asiarchs, who were friends of his, sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now some cried out one thing, and some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they had come together. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward. And Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours they all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! And when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is a temple keeper of the great Artemis and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky? Seeing that the, then that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. If therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open, and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly. For we are really in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. Let us pray. Lord, there is in America today no small commotion regarding the Christian way, regarding the values we hold of freedom, of the dignity and rights of human life, of self-governance, and of the greatness of America. There is no little commotion about these things. And sometimes we see what we read about here happened in Ephesus. We see crowds, we see People expressing their passions very, very vividly. And Lord God, we, we also see various forms of violence. Help us, Lord, in America to preserve the freedom that allows us to express ourselves peacefully, that allows us to work out our disagreements in, a, in an orderly way, and that at the same time protects the right to protest while maintaining law and order. Bless us as we move through this critical period of American history. Grant that we may elect the right leaders. Grant that we may preserve and protect the faith. Grant that we may always serve your kingdom. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay. A riot in Ephesus. You see, notice how Paul was unafraid of the of the of the of the mob. I mean, these were people united. These people saw Christianity as a threat. That's how the left is today. 
That's how the Democrat Party is today. They hate America. They hate the Christian faith. And they see the Christian faith as a threat to their, I'm going to put value system in quotations because it's the opposite of values. It's the destruction of life, not the sanctity of life. It's the destruction of law and order, not law and order itself. These are are anti-values. This is an anti-culture. It's an anti-truth. It's an anti-gospel that the left is committed to. So obviously, to the extent that Christian values prevail, it's a threat to their whole agenda. Their whole agenda dies if Christian values and Christian faith prevail. That's why it's such a threat to them that there even be freedom of conscience. President Trump was the greatest defender, and will be again in the White House, the greatest defender, of the freedom of human conscience to say what needs to be said. He took action for freedom of speech on campuses, in churches, in the public square. Uh, for the freedom of people to worship according to the way they believe, for, for the freedom of people to conduct their business dealings without having to sacrifice their faith or the expression of their faith. Our ministry at Priest for Life was saved because of his intervention against the Obama-Biden HHS mandate that would have caused us to have to choose between violating our conscience or violating the law. And of course, we would not violate our conscience by including abortion in our health insurance plans. And on and on it goes. The Christian way of life is a threat to the left. That's why they want to indoctrinate our children and grandchildren. Because in the family, which they also hate and want to destroy, the faith is passed on in the family. School choice, which President Trump defends, is a threat to the other side because if parents choose religious schools in which to educate their children, the faith, which destroys the agenda of the left, gets passed on. Similarly, here in Ephesus, I read this passage because there's a similar dynamic going on. The proclamation of the Christian gospel was seen by these artisans who were making idols as a threat. Well, and ultimately followed to its logical conclusion, people would reject Artemis of the Ephesians if they embraced the kingship of Jesus Christ. But at the same time, they were quite exaggerating the the imminent danger that they were in. And so they were urged, hey, do this according to to the established law and order that our empire is supposed to be characterized by. And we can say the same thing today to the left. But they don't want to use the ordinary processes of law and order. They want to bypass those processes because they don't believe they can win through those processes. They don't believe they can win at the ballot box and therefore they want to weaponize elections. They want to steal elections. They want to take elections away from us. They don't believe they can win on on the abortion issue. And so that's why for 50 years they've taken it out of the hands of the people to decide and they manufactured uh, a constitutional right to abortion which the court recently recognized didn't really exist. 
but they wanted it to exist so that they wouldn't have to hash out the abortion issue in detail in the legislative process. And now they want to continue to bypass the legislative process by just reinventing that fake right and forcing it into state constitutions. You see what's going on here? The left is threatened. The left is threatened by President Trump. They don't want him on the ballot in 2024 because they don't think that they can prevail against him. And so they want to steal the election away from us. They want to steal our right to even vote for him by weaponizing government against him, throwing all these indictments, trying to get a conviction, trying to put him in prison. His support will only intensify. And then they look at him and they say, well, you and your uh, associates tried to interfere with our democracy because on January 6th, when the process was in place of, of, um, of confirming the votes that the states had certified, counting those votes in Congress so that Biden could be declared the winner of the election, you try to interfere in that process. And they called it an insurrection. Now, interestingly, the charge of insurrection didn't make it into the 91 charges against President Trump in these four indictments coming out of uh, Jack Smith, two of them from him, and then one from two, two each from the states of New York and Georgia, Alvin Bragg and Fannie Willis, disgraces that they all are. Why not? They talk about it still, and Jack Smith even talked about it in the indictment. But it wasn't actually one of the charges. And this goes to show the charade that they're trying to pull off on the American people. They're trying to make them think, oh, he's, he's against the democratic process. He's against the Constitution. This even came up in the debate the other night. I didn't mention it when I was commenting at length about the debate. But my goodness, what a shameful thing to say. Chris Christie, uh, uh, not surprisingly, saying about President Trump, oh, well, he would, he would suspend the Constitution. That is not, has never been in the mind of President Trump to, to suspend the Constitution. His whole attitude towards government is completely the opposite of that. But oh, no, he'll run with the fake news. He'll run with the fake news that he likes to appear on all the time with that story. He still wants that to be in the, in the minds of the American people, that you've got a man here who did more for the Constitution than anybody, who uh, the, 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 the mythology that he wants to somehow go against it. It's a mythology. Let me show you some of the ways in which it is actually the radical Democrats who have tried to block processes constitutionally protected to enable us to govern ourselves. It wasn't the people who peacefully and patriotically expressed their views who vastly, completely dwarfed numerically those, that small fraction of the crowd 
who did damage at the Capitol. The vast, 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 overwhelming majority of that crowd gathered just as President Trump asked them to, peacefully and patriotically, to do what? To do what all of us have a right to do, to make our views known. Yes, even about an election and election results. To make your views known about the outcome of an election is not the same thing as trying to overturn an election. To make your views known about what you think about an election is not the same as to try to subvert the electoral process, and it's certainly not the same as fraud. President Trump sincerely always believed, and still sincerely believes, as so many uh, uh, other Americans do, that there were problems with this election. That's a sincere conviction. And when you speak that conviction, when you take actions to try to validate that conviction, there's no fraud involved whatsoever. You're not misrepresenting something that you think. You're expressing what you think. The other side doesn't care about the distinction. But let me go, let me remind you here tonight of a couple of examples. Do you remember what happened at the end of May of 2020? The other side was as guilty as they try to make us look to be of interfering with our government. Let me read from the AP, okay? The Associated Press published this story on May 31st of 2020. Secret Service agents rushed President Donald Trump to a White House bunker on Friday night as hundreds of protesters gathered outside the executive mansion, some of them throwing rocks and tugging at police barricades. By the way, where was the congressional... uh, hearing about this uh, staged, uh, you know, with the help of PR experts and media outlets for weeks on end in the, in the U.S. Congress. Democrats, you want to answer that question? Trump spent nearly an hour in the bunker, which was designed for use in emergencies like terrorist attacks, according to a Republican close to the White House. This was confirmed by another administration official. The abrupt decision by the agents underscored the rattled mood inside the White House where chants from protesters in Lafayette Park could be heard all weekend. As Secret Service agents and law enforcement officers struggled to contain the crowds. This is the AP, by the way. Friday's protests were triggered by the death of George Floyd, a black man who had died after he was pinned at the neck by a white Minneapolis police officer. The demonstrations in Washington turned violent and appeared to catch officers by surprise. They sparked one of the highest alerts on the White House complex since the September 11th attacks in 2001. Now, did Black Lives Matter spokespeople get up and say, hey everybody, Peacefully and patriotically, let your views be known. Peacefully and patriotic. You know what? The AP must have missed that. Let me continue reading from some of these other news reports about the same incident. The Justice Department on Sunday deployed members of the U.S. Marshal Service and agents from the Drug Enforcement Administration to supplement the National Guard troops outside the White House. I mean, how many times does this happen? 
The White House even cautioned staffers who had to go to work on Monday to hide their passes, imagine this, until they reached the Secret Service entry point and then to hide their passes again as they were leaving at the end of the workday. Hide your passes. Don't let people see that you work in the White House lest you be attacked. This, this wild crowd tried to break through metal barriers, hurled bottles and other objects at, at the officers. They would remove the metal barriers and begin pushing up against their officers and their riot shields. The Secret Service continually replaced the barriers throughout the night as protesters rested, rested them away. Protesters pushed hard enough a few times that officers had to walk away with what appeared to be minor agencies. At some, a certain point, the agents had to use pepper spray. Throughout the night, protesters could be heard chanting their support for Floyd. Hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with, with, with expressing your support for Floyd, if that was your, your position here. But it's the violence. It's surrounding the White House. What was the idea here? That the president had to be put into the bunker that is used for terrorist attacks. The protests began around 10 p.m. Friday night and mostly quieted down by 3.30 in the morning. Now, why, why do we hear so much about January 6th and not equally as much about this attack on the White House? Attack on the Capitol, attack on the White House, these are co-equal branches of government. It's the same to us, patriots. We don't want attacks on any institution of our government. We don't want violence surrounding the Capitol. We don't want violence surrounding the White House. And yet, these radicals were responsible for this event outside the White House. And when was the last time you thought about this? When was the last time you, 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 you recalled about this event? Or heard anybody talk about it? Let me go to another event. The hearing for Trump-nominated Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. We have a process in America for confirming voting upon the president's nomination for the Supreme Court, for the position of Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. Kavanaugh was properly nominated prepared for the confirmation process, and then on schedule, the confirmation process began. This was in September of 2018. And uh, here's an NPR news story about this. It took less than two minutes for the first protester to be ejected from Supreme Court nominee Judge Brett Kavanaugh's opening day of testimony before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Seconds later, a second demonstrator was thrown out of the hearing room. A constitutionally protected process is taking place in, oh, wait a minute, the Capitol. And it gets interrupted. Interrupted by a demonstrator who's against the Trump-appointed nominee. So the second demonstrator is thrown out of the hearing room, and now this is NPR talking, followed by another, comma, followed by another. 
This is a mockery and a travesty of justice, yelled one protester. Kavanaugh can't be trusted, shouting another, shouted another. Others arrived at the Capitol. At least 227 demonstrators were arrested between the start of the nomination hearings on Tuesday and the end of testimony on Friday, according to U.S. Capitol Police, most of them being charged with disorderly conduct, crowding, or, here's the word, obstructing. When's the last time you heard people talking about this? When's the last time you thought about this? When's the last time this was a topic of discussion among those concerned with the peaceful process that is protected by the Constitution, that helps our government function, that helps us govern ourselves, of the, of the people who are concerned about threats to our democracy, insurrections, overthrowing of our government, obstruction of legitimate processes, where is their complaint? If these processes are so sacred and so important, and they are important, where, where, are, these, where are these voices? And then, as if the obstruction or the attempted obstruction of a confirmation process in the same building, by the way, that people went to on January 6th, as if that weren't enough, once he was confirmed, here's another story. Just before 1 p.m. Eastern Time, hundreds of protesters get, crossed police lines to gather on the steps of the Senate. Hey, hey, ho, ho, Kavanaugh has got to go, they chanted, as they flooded the steps of the court with fists raised in the air and arms linked. Police eventually had to form a line between the door of the court and the group of protesters and later shepherded them back down the steps of the court before erecting a barricade. But during their presence at the court doors, they were clawing at the doors and pounding at the doors and scratching at the doors like lunatic, like crazed animals. Thus, droves of protesters, the news report says, pressed up against the metal barricades outside the Capitol building. One of the, the protesters said, I'm really worried about women's reproductive rights. She added, before the Senate vote that Kavanaugh's impending confirmation made her sad, quote, but I'm really hopeful, notice these words, because I feel like this is a revolution. People won't understand the power and passion unless you're here. I don't deny these people their right to protest. I don't deny them their right to disagree. I don't deny them their right to oppose the nomination and confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh any more than I deny the senators who voted against him the right to vote against him. But again, the question is, why do some fail and refuse to understand, in the words of this protester, this anti-Kavanaugh, anti-Trump protester, in her words, understanding the power and passion. Where are those who try to understand the power and passion of those who gathered on January 6th, P 
peacefully and patriotically. And then a small fraction of them, yes, in that same passion, allowed their passions to overcome their right judgment and did things that we all object to. But the point is, do we understand the power and the passion? Is it only the people on one side of the ideological equation that get to have power and passion and not those on the other side? Oh no, it's very unequal. Those on our side of the equation, you know, we're not even allowed to have the power and the passion. I'm not advocating that we do violence. I'm saying that there is concern, there is deeply felt concern among the American people on a lot of different issues, including when they feel an election was stolen from them, when their votes were disenfranchised. That's been a common passion throughout American history, as it should be. But no, when that group of people feels aggrieved, they can't even have a peaceful demonstration. You have a peaceful demonstration when passions are running so deep because people were trying to silence them on social media. They were trying to keep them out of the courts. The courts were just dismissing cases. They weren't hearing cases about the election fraud. They were dismissing those cases. And they're not allowed to feel power and passion. Oh, but these people who want to claw at the doors of the Supreme Court and do God knows what kind of violence against that building which is just as important in our American system of government as the capital. The Constitution establishes the capital, the legislative branch, the Congress, in Article I of the Constitution. And lo and behold, then in Article Three, it establishes the Supreme Court. And in Article Two, it establishes the White House, the executive branch. So you've got all three branches of government being attacked here by passionate Americans. What happened at the Capitol on January 6th of 2021? But what happened at the Capitol in September of 2018? And what happened at the Supreme Court in September of 2018? And what happened at the White House in May of 2020? And why? Why is it? that it is about January 6th and about the objections to the election of 2020, that indictments are flowing and charges are piling up. And meanwhile, the perpetrators of this other crap, where, where are their indictments, please? Where's all the... the, the Where's all the, the, the flurry and the hubbub about what they did? Is it not the same government? Is it not the same constitution? Is it not the same concern for law and order? Is it not the same concern for our process of governing ourselves? And trying to interrupt, trying to stop those proceedings. This, you know, it's not even hypocrisy. It's not even hypocrisy. It's not even about a double standard. I agree with what Dan Bongino says. It's not hypocrisy. It's, 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 he calls it hierarchy. I call it tyranny. It's people who have power, who control the media, who control academia, who have a lot of political control, 
And they just are in a position where they believe, all right, well, I can call the shots. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what moral standard it offends. I don't care about the label of hypocrisy. I don't care if the shoe fits. I don't care about wearing it. I don't care about any of that. I have power. I'm going to consolidate that power. I'm going to use that power to advance my agenda, to get more power, and to hell with everybody else. That's what we're dealing with here, and that's why we can't get stuck in, in, in censoring ourselves and in saying, oh, oh, but I, I want to be nice, I, I'm concerned about the optics, I want to take the moral high ground. We always have to be on morally solid ground, but what I'm saying is we've got to fight more. Many others are saying the same thing. This is ridiculous. But I wanted to bring you your attention and equip you once again with the memory of those incidents. And when these conversations come up, brothers and sisters, mention these things. So when, when the next time somebody says to you at the dinner table uh, or, or after church or, or, or in, in the, uh, around the water cooler at the workplace and hey, or on social media, oh, you know, that, that was terrible on January 6th. You know, they were trying to overthrow democracy. Bring up the storming of the White House and the president have to go, having to go down into the bunker. Just because we were the targets of that, we could just ignore it. Bring up the storming of the, of the, of the Supreme Court because of the confirmation of Kavanaugh. I could disagree about Kavanaugh, just like we disagree about the 2020 election. Disagree all you want. This is America. But stop pretending that the interruption of one process of one branch of government is somehow worse than the interruption with just as much protest activity and violence is okay when it comes from the other side. It was more important, more dramatic. Remind them of the interruption of the hearings. I remember watching those hearings, listening to those hearings. I wanted to see what these senators were going to be saying or questions they were going to be asking Kavanaugh. His family was there. His children were there. They had to be taken out of that hearing room. His children were there. And they got to witness these people standing up and yelling terrible things, interrupting the proceedings. They're trying to have a proceeding, an orderly proceeding. No sooner, I don't think the first sentence had gotten out of the mouth of the first senator who was speaking, then these protesters started acting like lunatics. We've got to stand up, folks, and make sure that if these processes in America are going to be protected, that they're protected for all of us, that they're protected for both sides, of the political spectrum and the ideological spectrum in America, both sides can utilize these processes and should be able to utilize these processes in a peaceful and orderly fashion. But all of this, friends, the, 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 the violence from the left, you know what it is. It's a sign of the despair of the left. Their frantic behavior it's a sign of their weakness. His truth is marching on. 
This man is marching on, President Trump. And they're terrified of that. All right, let's pray. God, our Father, we come before you once again. And we, as we recall these things, Lord, we ask you to send your blessing and favor on all of us who believe in freedom, life, America, justice, the rule of law, and all of us who want President Trump as our leader in this country. Lord, we have as much right to our position to articulate it and fight for it and use the processes of government to implement it as does any other American of any other persuasion. Lord, we ask for peace and order in America. We don't want the Capitol attacked. We don't want the Supreme Court attacked. We don't want the process of confirming uh, votes for a president to be interrupted. We don't want confirmation hearings for Supreme Court justices to be interrupted either. Lord, give maturity to our fellow citizens who disagree with us, but because they feel they can't win in a legitimate way, embrace these other tactics. Lord God, send forth your spirit. Give right judgment to your people and give protection to our way of life in America. Enable us, Lord, to confront the radical left, exposing the emptiness of their arguments and slogans, exposing the destructive nature of their philosophies, exposing the anti-American, anti-God, anti-life, anti-Trump hatred that is in their hearts. May we expose it, may we oppose it, may we eradicate it in peaceful, in constitutional ways and using especially our powers of persuasion, our freedom of speech, our freedom of assembly and protest, and our freedom of the vote enable us to use all these tools to save America. And we pray now for all our needs, for all our intentions, and for those of our loved ones and our leaders in offering the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, I really enjoy sharing these remarks with you and I really am grateful for you taking the time to watch us on Praying for America. I am grateful for you spreading the word about this program. Please do so and join me again next time. I'm pro-life leader Frank Pavone, director of Priests for Life, and you can find me on social media at FR Frank Pavone. That's FR Frank Pavone. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Hi, this is Dr. Teresa Burke, founder of Rachel's Vineyard and pastoral associate of Priest for Life. Many of you pray the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. Did you know that this prayer was given to Sister Faustina especially because of the sin of abortion? God revealed to her that because of this evil, the world needs His mercy more than ever. He even permitted Sister Faustina to suffer special pains, representing the pain of abortion. As you thank God for Divine Mercy, Please pray for the many people who seek forgiveness 
from abortion by coming to Rachel's Vineyard, which operates in partnership with Priests for Life, and it's the largest ministry in the world for healing after abortion. Not only do we provide retreats, but we also enable people to make the long journey of healing through various forms of individual counseling. May God's mercy come to all. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.